I'm Sarah Katz. Do you want to live a more optimistic life? Well, I'm here to help. In this podcast, I'll be discussing a variety of topics, such as positivity, motivation, and self-love, to ultimately inspire you to live your best and blessed life. So, let's chat. This is... Hey everyone, and welcome back to Scats Chats. Welcome to the month of May. We're so excited to be kicking today off, and I'm back with another segment of Chatting It Up, and I'm excited to welcome Sage LaRue, a self-published poet who has debuted her first poetry book called Duality. So I've invited Sage on Scats Chats today to talk about her experience with anxiety, talk about her new book, and we're going to provide some insight and wisdom on how to deal with anxiety at any level. So welcome to Scats Chats, Sage. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, Yeah, really exciting. So your book, Duality, deals with a lot of, you know, people going through real realistic life experiences with anxiety and just different life events that we all go through. So your Instagram bio says that you have a lot of anxiety and you overshare about it on the internet, which I thought was so funny. What is anxiety to you and how do you view anxiety personally? Anxiety to me is something that I think I've always lived with and it's come out in different ways over the years. So I think my definition has changed as it has changed in appearance. Right now, I would describe it as never feeling truly comfortable where you are Mm -hmm. or feeling a little bit unsafe to the point that it can inhibit you from doing things that you love. That's obviously going to be different from person to person, but For me, that kind of encapsulates the many different layers that anxiety can play in my life. So it can show up in different ways, but overall, it's something that is going to inhibit me doing something that I love, which is a huge bummer. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of like this blockage from us to from experiencing kind of peace and and regular just living regular life or doing regular things. Yes. The metaphor that I've used for it is it's kind of like a cloud or a mist covering Mm -hmm. everything that I'm trying to do. So it's not always something big and intense in front of me, but it is something that is always present and kind of just a film over my eyes. So Mm. it's definitely something that you have to work through with time and effort. Yeah, definitely. I was going to ask too, does your anxiety Mm -hmm. kind of come in, in waves or I guess it's always kind of there in the back of your mind, like you said? A little bit of both. Um, I think definitely it is always in the back of my mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people with anxiety will describe a feeling of just consistent little buzzing in the back of your mind. And then the waves do come here and there when there are certain triggers, which is a word that's been kind of overused over the years, but it still has a little bit of value. Um, There are certain things that will spike anxiety or feelings of feeling uncomfortable but there's always a little bit of a low buzz of just kind of feeling a little bit out of sorts and you have to learn how to cope with that and how to manage that. And that can be different for everybody. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that comes with also to being in, in maybe new situations that you may not be used to, you may not feel comfortable in that I'm sure mm-hmm. spikes anxiety for a lot of people. I think other times too, it comes at random times. Like for me yesterday, actually, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. I was just out to dinner and all of a sudden I felt like kind of like my heart rate increasing. And there's probably something that had to do with that. But at the time I was like, why is this happening? So sometimes for me, it kind of comes at random times. Maybe it's because I'm of something that I'm thinking about or 
something mm-hmm. like that. I've had very similar experiences actually, where I can't pinpoint exactly what caused it. And that's almost more frustrating mm-hmm. because there's a specific cause you can nail it down. But I had a similar experience where I went to the grocery store a few months ago and just felt very overwhelmed. My heart rate was kind of going up, like you had just mentioned. And I was just there to buy groceries. And it sounds really <laughs> silly to somebody who doesn't really understand it. But I think that's part of what makes anxiety challenging is you can't always logically think through it. It's just sometimes something that's there and you have to learn how to cope with it. Yeah. And kind of like your like muscles tense up too. like mine are like kind of tense up and I'm like, like you could feel it, you know, that's why like for me, sometimes it comes in waves for some reason. Yeah. I think the physical attributes of anxiety are something that people don't always think about. Like you just kind of think that it's all mental, but for a lot of people, there are many different physical reactions besides the ones that we typically think of. So sometimes people will think of like hyperventilating or like your heart rate going up, but it can come out in a lot of different ways, which can be really scary if you're not recognizing it. And sometimes I feel like dizzy too, but it, it kind of depends. Like I think on the level of it also, I've, I've only had like one sort of like real panic attack in my life. And I think that was for me drinking too much caffeine. <laughs> so I think that, <laughs> that makes sense. It. <laughs> it kind of like hyped everything up, but uh, yeah, but um, other ways too. And I will admit this on my podcast. It's a bad habit of mine, but I'll peel my cuticles and you know, all that stuff to where you can actually, someone can see it. Someone can see that, especially around like finals time for me, or just when I go back to school after a summer break, I can kind of see it on, like you could see it on my fingers. Like I'm going back to school. It's stressful, but. Yes. And that's the parts of anxiety that people don't really like to talk about because mm-hmm. they're not very pretty, um, but yeah. they're real. I also, I peel my nails and bite my nails. Um, I, will pick at my face if I have like a pimple. I'm like, I should just leave it alone, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I know what is good for me, but it's just the way that my mind is trying to make myself feel calm. I mean, that's not obviously going to work. And we do so physically, which is not ideal um, for many of us. It's something we kind of have to learn through and work through. And it'll go up and down, like you said, at certain times. I definitely feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Those are the the bad ways or even short-term ways to cope that do have those greater side effects at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So how are, how are some ways that, that you cope with it all? I mean, I, for me, I would say probably like in the long run, you know, going to therapy and, and realizing, or, you know, getting help from a professional who can help me pinpoint where exactly it's coming from and, you know, different things that might trigger it, you know, using that word trigger, but what are some ways that you are able to cope in a healthy way? Yeah. So definitely therapy as well. As you said, I have really good experiences in therapy. It took a little bit of trial and error to find a therapist that was actually going to be helpful for my specific needs. But that's something that once I was able to find a good fit for was really helpful just in helping me understand myself. Um, So I know not everybody can afford therapy, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, but if you can, I I recommend it to everybody, even if you don't think you have a specific thing or concern, it's just so good to kind of think about yourself um, and speak through it with a neutral third party per se, instead of your own brain or a friend. But I also have coped. um, I have a very strong faith, which is something that I know a lot of people Um, lean into and prayer and things like that. I also have a really good group of friends that I realized I could talk to about things. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. 
some friends you can like, you know, tell a lot to, but some friends you don't. And you kind of have to like, you know, know who your audience is in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There were definitely, and I think after I graduated college, I found the friends that were worth keeping because they would support me through that because there are some friends that you could share things with, but they're not necessarily going to support you in the way that you need or really be willing to put in the effort. And so finding the ones that can is, you don't want to let them go. They're, they're good people. Mm -hmm. So I have a handful of like a very small handful of good, good friends that I could call if I'm feeling really anxious and just say, I need to kind of stay on the phone for a little bit. Can you tell me about your day? Can you tell me about your cat or anything (laughs) to kind of get my mind out of my own mind? So that's something that I was always very self-conscious about doing until I started to do it and then realized these people care about me. They're willing to help me out when I'm not feeling completely good. And then I think I kind of mentioned sharing my experiences. Um, I think anxiety is something that so many people struggle with. And we're just now realizing that it is a shared experience. And a lot of people were very embarrassed or worried about sharing that. But the more that we share, the more empowered we become and the more we learn. So that as well. And of course, creative writing, which we'll probably get to later on. We will get to that. Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, So my last episode, it was called Ask Gats. And um, people were able to you know, submit anonymous questions and stuff like that. And I know that one of the questions was, or it was along the lines of, does therapy work for everyone? How exactly can I find the therapist, the right therapist for me? And so I know that you mentioned earlier that, you know, it took some time for you to find the right therapist for you. Can you share like how that experience was? How do you, how do you find the right therapist for you? Absolutely. I think that it is really daunting for people to try to find a therapist or they think that they have to stick with the first one that they find as somebody who like is kind of wary of social situations. Sometimes I definitely felt that way as well, but I think I started the same way a lot of people do, which is Googling and looking for therapists in my area. And then specifically therapists that were good with anxiety and my certain types of trauma and experiences that I've had. And so I tried out a couple of, more standard ones. I tried out one that was um, similar to my faith. And then just by trial and error of talking to them and realizing this person's not really the type of person that I want to bounce my feelings off of. So maybe they're more of a fixer and they're offering, okay, here are strategies for you to fix things. Maybe there's therapists that are better for just venting to. And I think that it's something that is kind of a new thought process for a lot of people that your therapist is kind of there to guide you and help you and you can ask them for what you need. But if their mindset is already set a certain way and their style is of counseling is already set a certain way, you don't have to stick with them. So it's very liberating to realize you can go where you need to go. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be locked in by (laughs) kind of your fear of like, oh, I don't want to upset this person. It's their job. So. Yeah, don't have to sign a contract that you have to stay for six months or a year, like a lease Absolutely. or something. Right. <laughs> You're not locked in, not at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do, do you kind of find that out, I guess, through the first couple of sessions with them to kind of see if they, if you resonate with the kind of feedback that they give you? Yes, I think um, for some of them, I remember I went to one and this is a bit of a silly story, but I went to one and she immediately asked me to fix her printer. Um, at my first meeting for her. And I was like, that's that's a little odd. Um, And then like, as we continue to talk, I was like, this lady is not really my fit. (laughs) You can tell. (laughs) You can tell. Um, Sometimes it's immediately obvious. And then other times there'll be two or three experiences where I'm like, I don't really want somebody who's going to 
kind of talk to me the way like a mother would, or I'm looking for somebody who's more friend-like, or I'm looking for somebody who's more gentle. So it's definitely kind of also a lesson in learning yourself and learning about what you respond to as well. But I always gave it like a couple of sessions, like you mentioned, and mm-hmm. went for it. But I know people who have gone for several weeks and then decided, no, like this isn't working for me. And their therapist is not offended. They are totally fine with it. So yeah, I'm sure that's they expect that to happen for a good amount of people, you know, because there's all different types of therapists, like you said. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Awesome. Now we will go into talking about your book, Duality. All right. So it's, I, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of sample pieces, which we'll get to from, well, we'll get to that. But Mm -hmm. what was the creative process like for you? I mean, what kind of motivated you to publish your own poetry book? Lots of things. Um, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a kid. I would be scribbling in notebooks and writing very, uh, angsty poetry and composition books when I was in high school. Um, and it was um, not great, but it made me feel better. And so I, my creative process was everything from spur of the moment ideas that I would jot down on the notes app in my phone to sitting down with an idea and fully developing something. One of my longer pieces, that's a spoken word on YouTube. I sat down and I was like, all my friends are getting married how do I feel about this? And just wrote kind of my stream of conscious thoughts. So it was a combination of all of those things. And then at one point when I was having a really tough time, there was a certain experience that I had that just kind of made me snap from being really sad about certain things that had happened to being really frustrated. And I was able to channel that frustration into writing and just kind of started to give myself permission to not write the perfect poems or not write something that is necessarily the most incredible thing. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, if I don't love it, I don't have to share it. I don't have to do anything with it. I can keep it to myself. But the more that I wrote and the more that I shared on Instagram, which is where I first started sharing my writing, the more people liked it. And the more people shared, hey, there's options if you want to put this into a book. So the publishing process was tricky to try to figure out all of the bits and pieces that aren't the creative writing. But it's very rewarding to have something that I'm physically able to hold. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely an accomplishment and a it's like a reward and accomplishment in itself, too. And it's like you said, it's very liberating to to realize that you have the freedom to put whatever you want out there or to, you know, keep to yourself whatever you want. That's there's all those options for you. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And then also in the description, it says that it is a modern poetry collection focused on how to live and thrive in the extremes of life. Mm-hmm. So what do you kind of mean by that description? Like, what are the extremes of life? Yeah, it's very uh, metaphorical and dramatic to read. I, I, I like <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I kept it pretty vague because it, the book covers so many different things, but I chose that wording because I, at one point, had a bit of, not necessarily a breakthrough, but a realization in therapy where I was saying, I'm really angry that this thing happened to me, um, but I'm also sad about it. Or I'm really happy for this one friend that she's getting married, but I'm also sad that our friendship won't be the same. My therapist told me, why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't you be both happy and sad? Why can't you both be why can't you be both sad and frustrated or happy and concerned? 
And that for some reason was such a mind blowing thought to me that I had never thought of before, mm-hmm. um, I, which may sound silly, but it was just for somebody who is always thought of life in one extreme or another, it was a very big moment in thinking about how I thought about feelings and how I thought about kind of living. It doesn't necessarily have to be good or bad. It can be good and bad at the same time. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Duality. Exactly. (laughs) One of the poems that I wrote, which this is a little bit niche, but there's a Greek goddess named Persephone, who Mm -hmm. is the Greek goddess of spring, but she's also queen of the underworld. And so it's very interesting to look at the duality of being very pretty and feminine, but also very dark and powerful. And so that kind of duality and contrast is a running theme throughout the entire book of coming to terms with the fact that you don't have to be one way or another. You don't have to live life in black and white. You can live life in gray. And then I even talk about in the book how the opposite of black and white isn't gray. It's actually gold. If we are really Mm. thinking about being our true selves, it's not just gray. It's really beautiful, shining, shimmering gold, which is very metaphorical and dramatic, but very true. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And I think... I I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I really can, but I'm not going to. I think in a lot of cases, how, you know, women are supposed to be, we're supposed to be covered up. We're supposed to have feelings of liberation as well. So it's kind of like, and also me with my personal fashion choices, I like to, you know, dress up like this style one day, dress up like that style the other day. You can have duality in your life. You can you can express yourself in different ways and, and you don't have to follow this path of just being the the goth girl or, you know, wearing I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but, I no, I actually you know I, mean? I have a leather skirt in my closet and I also have a pink sundress next to it. Yeah. And I think that is a great kind of example of like you don't have to be one way or the other. You can do whatever and be whatever you want. And Think, talking about women too, I, I think women especially struggle with that because of what culture in the world has told us. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be this and this, but not this or do this. And we can be everything or nothing or anything that we want to be. Yeah, exactly. You can combine things together. That's what makes it a beautiful rainbow. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Beautiful rainbow. Yes. So, um, yeah. So in that poem, that was titled All My Friends Are Getting Married. I watched it on YouTube of you writing it out. And please, PSA to everybody, go watch this video. Go search (laughs) Sage LaRue. So S-A-G-E and space, obviously, L-E-R-O-U-X. And then you'll find that poem that's titled All My Friends Are Getting Married. It's It's such an honest portrayal of of how one kind of feels deep down when you know a friend is ultimately getting married and starting a new life and a new journey and so you kind of know that that friendship won't ever be quite the same again yes and it's such an interesting feeling because as i wrote in the poem i'm feeling really happy for my friend who i love and care about who has found this great love but sad because I'm kind of grieving what our friendship used to be. Um, Her priorities are changing or his priorities are changing and rightly so, but that also kind of leaves me in a different light. And also just the way that married people and married couples live such a different life than single people Mm -hmm. uh, in culturally, usually. It's um, something that I was very insecure about for a long time. 
And this line that you said also, once you pledge yourself to another person, people automatically look at you with more respect. Then you asked, why can't I get that respect on my own? Mm -hmm. Pretty powerful and true. <laughs> definitely. I think especially growing up in the church and I'm still in the church, but in a much more progressive one, that was something that I saw a lot where women especially were fine on their own, but when they got married, that's when they became more mature and taken seriously. And you get invited to the secret married people's club uh, <laughs> as you are suddenly um, a whole new person. And that's not true at all. And I think that it's something that I think that it's a lie a lot of people have been told and I've just started to realize is a lie and has harmed me and harmed probably a lot of people, especially women. Yeah, definitely. I I kind of understand those same notions too. Although I did go to a a religious, a Catholic middle and high school, I'm not religious per se myself. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it kind of goes along with society's expectations on on how one should kind of live their life too, especially like you said, with women. And in my previous episode of, uh, you know, it was titled Why Being Single is So Underrated, I kind of talk about this, how we're like supposed to get married and start this new journey. Like that is the life path that humans must be on. And like, mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. I mean, for me, I'm not sure if, if I want to get married per se. It's not something that I've always like dreamt about my dream wedding when I was seven years old. <laughs> there's There's more that I want to do and discover and go through experiences by myself. And that's definitely okay. And if marriage comes along for, for me or, you know, for the both of us, that's great. But mm -hmm. that's not what we're kind of um, like focused on in life, if that makes sense. I think that makes perfect sense. I think a lot of Western culture has made marriage kind of this goal that everybody should try to attain. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always viewed it more as an add-on to life experience. Like, it's great. Like, it would be wonderful to, like, kind of live your life with somebody that you love if you want to pursue marriage that way. But that shouldn't be everything, ideally. Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that has kind of been a really difficult realization for a lot of people, especially because some people just don't get married and some people don't want to get married yeah. and some people want to live their lives in different ways. And I think we're going to over maybe like the course of several years, realize that there are lots of different ways you can live your life and they're not necessarily right or wrong if they don't follow the more traditional viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely, of course, we're not saying that marriage is terrible. Marriage is bad. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But we're, yes, yeah. Please don't come for us. <laughs> no, no. We're, you know, there's, there's just more than one path you can choose. If you'd like to choose that, great. You know, uh, who, who are, who are we also to judge other people's decisions, of course. But yeah. Um, and I think that's what it all comes down to. I wrote that poem, All My Friends Are Getting Married, trying to explain that I'm not upset at that idea or that experience, but I have all these feelings and I wish that these feelings were more understood or more accepted and things like that. So there's definitely not one path that everybody takes. The world would be so boring if we did that. Um, right. And I think we just have to recognize that there are lots of other paths that people can take and they should all kind of be respected. So that, there's that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And also too, kind of like you said, um, why can't I get that respect on my own? Like, And you said too, why can't I just exist? It's also yes. kind of a Western idea per se, that we all have to like strive for the next thing. You know, it's always like, go, 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 going from point A to point B. That's what you're focused on. But why not 
take some time and slow down. And that could help with our, with decreasing anxiety too, is to take time to slow down and appreciate the present moment and the beauty of, I know I, I say this every single time, everyone out there <laughs> listening, the beauty of nature, it's such a cliche, but it is true. It's, mm-hmm. and we just had Earth Day too. Um, and I think we really don't appreciate nature very much and, and the healing powers that it has for us, especially. Mm-hmm. I agree. I live on the East Coast and I love being close to the mountains or the beach one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that nature is very healing and therapeutic. Absolutely. And I think that what you're saying about kind of feeling like we need to achieve all the time is something that, especially I think maybe people our age, like in our 20s or like people mm-hmm. that are in their early 30s, are really kind of struggling with because it's been our culture of you have to be going for the next big thing. But I remember graduating college and seeing my friends go off to Europe or big city jobs. And so I tried to take a job that was not what I wanted to do. And I was so miserable, but I had the fancy adventurous life and I was more anxious than ever. And when I finally kind of sat down and had a more boring quote unquote job, <laughs> I, uh-huh. was, I was so much happier and my anxiety was so much more easily managed. And I think that the achievement goal or the need to achieve is something that is hurting a lot of people. And we have to recognize that you can kind of be content. Like we said, with all those different paths, like whatever path you're on, if it's where you want to be, you can be content with it. Mm -hmm. And that will help lower your anxiety as well, you know, and over time, pretty much (laughs) just definitely who you are and, and what you want to do. And, and that too, I was thinking because like I, I told you earlier too, I'm just about to graduate from college and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, have you been, people have asked me, have you been applying jobs, applying jobs? Are you sending out your resume? And I'm kind of like, I think I'd like a break. You know, I've been going to school since I was like four or five. So <laughs> yeah, I think I'd like a little, little break, you know, at least to enjoy the summer before I start to find something else, another endeavor. Yeah, another, you know, point that I have to work towards, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's just the expected that you would be thinking about the next thing and the next thing. And so Mm -hmm. I think that these people who are asking these things don't mean badly about it, of course, but also we are tired sometimes Mm -hmm. and we rest and we need to manage our anxiety in different ways. And they're not always going to look like the high achieving ways that a lot of other people are doing take that break. You deserve it. That's a lot of school. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Yes. And you too, because I know you went to college as well. So yeah, definitely. So to kind of sum up here, we we talked about, you know, the the benefits of, of going to therapy, of having a good friend group, um, you know, how to find the right therapist for you, and definitely just trying to slow down in your life and not feel so rushed to get to the next thing too. And that's hard for us to practice because again, it's so ingrained into our mind and in like Western culture and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. But definitely also to put yourself as a priority and kind of make sure you follow what works for you, what you think fits you the best, like fits you the best in terms of a life path, you know, Mm -hmm. marriage, no marriage. I mean, that's your choice. And I hope that we all kind of make sure that we stay true to ourselves as well and not let too much of, of what culture our society thinks is the best or the right or the only path per se is to do whatever you think is right for you in your life. Because at the end of the day, it is your life. The only person who who can influence it 
is you at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You are your biggest priority or you should be. And if you're not, then you should change that. And it's probably going to kind of hurt you if you are not keeping yourself that highest priority by staying true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And again, overall, I think this will help talking to obviously a therapist about this too, but I think staying true to yourself in the long run will help with a lot of people's anxiety because just as we you know, talked about, there's a lot of anxiety with people having to follow a certain path and having to, like the expectations of, of being a certain way. I definitely had talked to my therapist about that too, of me kind of dealing with maybe other people's expectations of me or you know views of me. And it's kind of, again, I use that word liberating to be able to do me for me and not really have to worry about what other people other people's opinions or views or expectations of me also. I think liberating is a great word for it. When I was originally thinking about publishing, I was concerned that nobody would read it. And my therapist, um, I guess <laughs> we're shouting out our therapist today. Shout out, <laughs> Shout out. Um, But she said, what if you just wrote it for you? And that was that. And it was just something that you did as a personal project and you could be proud of it. And it doesn't have to be a bestseller. And it was mind blowing to think I don't have to be worried about the achievement. I can just do things that I know I want to do. I've always had this dream of publishing something. Why don't you just do it for you? Why don't you stay true to yourself and what you want to do and not worry about what other people think or say or whether you should impress them or not. So I think liberating is a great way to put it. Exactly. Yeah. And also, everybody out there, if you would like to check out Sage's book, Duality, where can we find it, Sage? It is on Amazon. So you'll search Sage LaRue, which I know you spelled earlier, but the last name is L-E-R-O-U-X. And it's got a pretty little rose and a knife on it. It's a really pretty cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shameless, shameless Shameless plug. plug. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a pretty hefty poetry book. So you're definitely getting your money's worth. It's not um, like a super small thing. It's got a lot of stuff that I think could relate to a lot of people. Yeah. And what's your Instagram handle? It is Sage with two underscores and then LaRue. Perfect. Awesome. And then also for our quote of the day, everyone, we will not be having a quote of the day. We'll be having a poem of the day straight from the book Duality. So I have let Sage pick a poem out of her book Duality to recite for all of us. And you guys will get a little sneak peek as to what's inside. So which poem did you pick for today, Sage? I picked a poem that is untitled, but I think it relates really well to what we kind of finished off our conversation with, which is about staying true to yourself amidst anxiety and expectations and feelings. And so I will go ahead and read it if you are ready. Please go right ahead. Okay. This is from page 202 of Duality. It says, some people are too small to hold all of you. Your brilliance will blossom out of their hands. Your skills will slip through their fingers your power pouring out of their palms. What you need is not someone who can hold you in the palms of their hands. You need someone to hold only your hand instead of your entire being and stand by your side as you flourish and thrive. I absolutely love that. Indeed. (laughs) That is so true. And like you said, that really just ties into what we talked about. Thank you. For sure. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get my own copy of Duality. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm very excited. I love poetry books. I have a couple over there on my bookshelf. So 
excited to get into it. I, I, I hope you love it. Thank you so much. So thanks so much again, Sage, for coming on to Scats Chats. It was great to have you on. Again, you know, I I just look for different types of people who have something to share, some advice to give others out there. And that's really what this podcast is about, is to just help people live a more positive life, help people stay true to themselves too, and and just give people advice on everyday things. And anxiety is, in any level, is something that I think almost everybody kind of goes through at some at some aspect. So yeah, I, I appreciate having you on and um, hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. And everyone out there, as always, there are multiple ways to contact me. If you have any questions from today or if you have any suggestions for a future episode topic, you can email us at scatschats at gmail.com. And if you have any questions for Sage, also you can reach out to her as well on her Instagram DM. That is at Sage underscore underscore L-E-R-O-U-X. And if you have any questions on her book, Duality, you can find that on Amazon. Just search up her name and you can grab it on there. And then again, our Instagram and Facebook, you can search us at Scats Chats. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. And please consider writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps suggest our podcast to other listeners who listen to similar mental health podcasts. And of course, special thanks to my friend Val, who has been helping us out with our social media. Stay safe. Stay kind, always be true to yourself, and I'll see you next time. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Scats Chats. If you'd like to request a topic of discussion, head over to our website at www.scatschats.com. The Scats Chats logo is designed by NK Arts, and our theme song is written and produced by Daddy Lackis. Daddy Lackis.